0: Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. We're at episode number 1535. Today we are continuing our look at the Solo A Star Wars Story Expanded Edition. That's the novelization by Mer Lafferty. And today we're finding out more about Kira's backstory and what happened to her in the three years in between being left behind on Corellia and finding... Han again while she's on the first light which is Dryden Voss's star yacht. So we know a little bit about it because there was that excerpt on StarWars.com where Akira is brought to Lady Proxima and you find out that she's sold to a slave dealer and that initially you know she's only there for a short while before she's sold to Dryden Voss, and that she basically had (laughs) the moxie attempted to be beaten out of her and it didn't work and one final night she would killed her guard and was at an escape pod where Dryden Voss was like dude you're costing me too much money you've got more potential than this you know why don't I work with you instead and so you know three years later she is basically Voss's right hand what we know about this uh, more details is that the particular slave trader that she was sold to a guy named Sarkin Eneb was only training her to be what he wanted to sell to Dryden Voss. At least that is the way that Kira puts it. That, you know, whatever shape she needed to be in to be a more attractive item to turn around to Dryden Voss, like that's what Sarkin and Ebb was after. So apparently it worked because he was able to sell her off. But, but didn't end up so well for him in the end because I guess it amused Dryden Voss greatly to allow Kira to track Sarkin down and kill him after she was in Dryden Voss's employ. And in fact, killing for Dryden Voss is, you know, kind of a thing. L3 actually asks at some point, well, you know, how long was it before he made you kill someone right in front of him? And that's rather startling to Kira that l3 is able to you know come up with that question or imagine that you know hey things are like that in the inner circle and his cruelty is very well known so she tells the story of how when she was training doing martial arts training with him the first time that she bested him in the training room he was so proud of her that he immediately brought her one of his prisoners to kill and that she recalls she killed him like snapped his neck before he even had a chance to plead for his life so here we are 3 years later and she's committed to Dryden Voss and actually there's an angle on that that I will get with you on in a minute but just she has had to survive as Amelia Clark talked about way back before the movie was released in interviews for Entertainment Weekly that you know she's done what she had to do to survive she's made the choices she's need to make and needed to make and so right now she's in a position where the greatest benefit for her is to be working with Dryden Voss and not to run for the door, not to go for freedom. But so here's the thing about the committed thing. The brand that she has on her wrist, the Crimson Dawn emblem. When L3 sees that um L3's remark is that she's committed, not that she's enslaved not that she's you know the property of or anything like that but that she's committed which is a different and more emotionally impactful word and so there's no indication that there is a romantic relationship with Dryden Voss of any kind so the commitment word is kind of an interesting thing but Yeah, this is of course in service of the question of, hey, that human male seems to be in love with you and Kira doesn't believe it or at least will protest it to L3 and still says, you know, Han is not in love with me. But clearly he is and, you know, I have to think that she's just saying that for L3's purposes and, you know, not wanting to complicate things or maybe she just doesn't want to admit it. But I mean, you know, that whole scene with them making out in the cape room she has to know obviously that <laughs> he's in love with her and he was pretty much eavesdropping on as much of the conversation with L3 as he possibly could and so you know it's uh quite the tangled web that's getting woven between Han and Kira and thinking about her history, and she doesn't want to go back over her history with him at all. You know, there's a little bit of resentment, maybe more than a little bit of resentment, because you know she does reflect that it would have been worse if he had come back through the gate and come for her, but you know, it wasn't much better that at least he got out. You know, I think ultimately the two of them getting out would have been the ideal goal and that there was a bit of resentment that started to develop when she had to be the one to accept the punishment for both of them from Lady Proxima and you know, she says to Han, like, you know, what did you think? I was a droid that just got switched off for three years and, you know, turned back on when you showed up. No, I've had to move on and, you know, deal with my own stuff and make different choices and live my own life. And I'm not going back to if onlys and this, that, and the other. So it's actually a. You know, very powerfully done, you know, well handled set of scenes between the conversation with Kira and L3 in the flashbacks and with Han and Kira having a quick conversation that she's comparatively very dismissive of. And, you know, at that point, L3 has kind of gotten to the core of some things that Kira has been, I think, packing down pretty tightly. So, yeah, it doesn't end up being a pleasant conversation between Han and Kira. Now, there's one other Han and Kira thing that I will get into after the break and a quick word from our friends at Nissan. So hang around for that, please, in just a moment. Hey, Rebel Rouser, if you haven't checked out Nissan's Best in the Galaxy customizer, then what's keeping you? Here's the link to do it real quick. It's sw7x7.com slash custom. That'll get you right there. You can customize a Rogue, an Ultima, or a Titan, and give it a design inspired by the Millennium Falcon, by an Imperial Heavy TIE Fighter, Moloch's Landspeeder, or four other different designs. Check it out, sw7x7.com slash custom. And hey, Solo A Star Wars Story is now available on digital, and it's coming September 25th on Blu-ray, and new in 4K Ultra HD as well. Welcome back, so after Beckett interrupts Han and Kira in the Cape room, and Kira goes off, and Beckett gives Han his speech about how you know don't trust anybody because that way you know nobody will ever disappoint you and that you know everybody's going to betray you or whatever, and Han you know says that's a real lovely way to live and Beckett says it's the only way to live. And the thing that doesn't happen in the movie is Han has a rejoinder for Beckett that's a real low blow. He says, you know, well, maybe if you'd held on a little tighter to Val, she would still be with us. I mean, for God's sakes, man, that's just a low blow and you know i don't know that it's necessarily a fair one either i mean even if beckett had trusted her you know at a higher level whatever you know level han thinks would be the correct level in this particular instance since he's thinking about how he feels about kira and the trust level that he gives to her he's obviously saying that beckett didn't have that same level of trust in val and is suggesting that that might have been a factor in losing her just I'm really glad that they left that one out of the movie it's kind of interesting to see it in the novelization and maybe it's just you know Han is uh, particularly emotionally volatile himself at that moment especially considering that he has been pining away for her for three years and he is you know frustrated that he can't you know make things go back to the way they were and so maybe he's taking it out on Beckett a little bit so yeah yeah, not everybody does everything perfectly in life, right? And so you got to allow people to make mistakes like that. I'm just I'm glad it wasn't in the movie because yeah, it's it's rather a low blow, I have to say. Anyway, that, my friends, is going to do it for today's episode of the show. We're going to dig into the Kessel Run on our next episode and find out some more secrets that we haven't yet learned about the story within Solo, A Star Wars Story, thanks to the Expanded Edition. If you're not subscribing to the show on whatever service you are catching it on, then by all means, please do subscribe. Make sure that it is arriving for you on a daily basis. And hey, if you are enjoying it, once again, I'll remind you... I would really appreciate a tip in the tip jar and that would be done at patreon.com slash sw7x7 that's patreo dot com slash sw7x7 and I do want to give a shout out to Pamela Johnson who is a new patron of the podcast. She joined at the $5.01 level. Pamela, thank you so much for finding the show on YouTube and for the kind words that you've shared and the support that you're giving the show. I really appreciate that. And now... It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for this episode, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.